Hi, I'm Andy Simon. Welcome to On the Brink with Andy Simon. As you know, our podcast is designed to help you get off the brink. You don't want to be there. And my job is to bring you interesting people who are going to help you see, feel, and think in new ways, because that's what you have to do if you're going to do something in a new way. And so my audience keeps bringing back all kinds of great folks and others just come. So I love what Richard Medcalf, our speaker today, sent me, which was a beautiful note that said, I'm a fan. I want to be on your podcast. I had Nadia Belichico on and he loved it. Go-giver just as much as a go-getter. And I laughed and I said, that's great. And the second one is my audience will love you also. And I think that is really cool. Um, And we'll have a wonderful speaker. And I think you're going to do just that. So today, both on video and audio, Richard Metcalf and I are going to talk about something near and dear to me, which is about how to make the complex simple. How do we help people who have an overwhelming complexity in their daily lives begin to see things in a more simple and doable fashion so that you can actually get it done? And so let me give you a little bit of background of who Richard Metcalf is. By the way, he's coming to us from outside of Paris. And I always laugh because our audiences are global. You have no idea how many folks come to us from South Africa and Australia and New Zealand and listen in. But also my guests are as well. But he is from the UK, but 20 years in Paris. And he is just a Parisian. And so we can talk about that also. But before I get him to tell you his story, uh, Richard Metcalf describes himself as what you get if you were to put a McKinsey consultant, a slightly unorthodox pastor, an entrepreneur into a blender. That is quite an image. I can't imagine that smoothie coming out and tasting what flavor, what color. He's an executive coach, as I am, and a leadership consultant to exceptional founders and CEOs and their leadership teams. His clients are elite performers who've already achieved incredible things, but he helps them continue to grow and grow in new ways. And they still have the ambition to do 10 times their impact and influence and achieve something that seems impossible right now. And so as he loves to tackle the impossible, we do as well. And you as listeners, I know we're going to say I'm ready to do this, too. Um, he has a master's degree at Oxford. He came top of his and came. He came top in his year. Richard started his career in premier strategy consulting and he was the youngest ever partner. And then he spent 11 years at tech giant Cisco. You're going to hear him talk a lot about the tech world as well. So I'm not going to read you more. I'm going to ask him to tell you more. Remember, we're storytellers. Richard has a great story to tell. Richard, thank you for joining me. How are you? Hi, Andy. Yeah, great to be here. I'm good, thank you. Uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, you're going to tell the folks also that you have a podcast and all kinds of um, similarities in the work we do and the way we do it. But first, your story, because it's a great story. Tell our listeners, who's Richard and how did you get to here? Yeah, so I guess, um, as you said, like what people, what you can find out about me if you Google me or look at my website or LinkedIn or whatever, right, is kind of what you just said, right? I grew up in the UK. I went to Oxford. I joined a strategy consulting company, became partner, went to Cisco. Uh, My time at Cisco had various executive roles, but the most interesting one was really towards the end where I was part of a small team set up by the CEO and head of sales of Cisco to really catalyze new business partnerships and innovations with other customers. Um, and then my, you know, my, the last phase of my career, really setting up uh, X-Quadrant, which is my uh, consulting and coaching company, which is, as you said, I'm working with smart, high-performing leaders who 
uh, on the outside are doing incredibly well, but inside they know they, they can do a lot more. They, they know that they're just scratching the surface and they, they have that hunger for impact. So that's kind of what you can, you know, kind of find out about me. I suppose the deeper story is kind of why do I do what I do? Why did I make a shift from this technology uh, exec role into helping leaders maximize or, as I say, multiply their impact? And um, there's a few reasons. They're quite personal. You know, one of which is my sister is you know, a couple of years younger than me. She's severely mentally handicapped. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, well, you know, she lives at home still with my parents. Uh, she's, you know, never left, basically. Um, she's on oxygen at the moment. She's got physical issues. Yeah, she's really, really, you know, not able to do much. And yet I had this kind of high-flying career and life, moved to a different country. And so I really come to things with this deep-seated conviction that if we have the opportunity uh, to make the world a better place, we should kind of use it, right? And, um, and so that's something which has really kind of uh, been important to me. Uh, the next one is my mother, again, another personal one, died at age 55. And she only ever wanted to be a, a mother, and a housewife, and just stay at home. She didn't really enjoy work, except that she became the secretary of the association that my sister, uh, the condition that my sister had. And when she died at an early age from cancer, we had so many cards coming in, so many, um, we had donations that created a a foundation, a fund in her name. Uh, You know, just thousands of people impacted by her life. Yes. And And I realized, well, I know so many people who've got you know, better education, more opportunities, higher income, but can they leave such a legacy? And you know, like they should. They've got everything in their in their in their favor. And yet, are they actually creating the legacy that they want in their organisations, in their market? And or are they kind of playing it safe? And um, so that was the second driver. And then, I guess the key point when I was at Cisco, there was a moment when I said to myself, you know, Richard, what do you want your what do you want to tell your great grandchildren? in the future, you know, when they're on your knee and age 90 or whatever, you know, whatever. And they asked me about my life. And, and I realized I didn't, didn't want to just say, well, I helped AT&T increase their EBITDA margin by 0.1%. <laughs> Again, there's nothing wrong with financial results. They're an essential part of having, you know, their financial fuel, right? They're really important. No problem with that. But I realized that wasn't the sum total of the legacy I wanted to have. And when I looked deeply in the mirror, try to figure out what I was really world-class at, I realized it was helping people uh, who are already smart and high achieving push their thinking even further, yeah. see things in new ways, and actually get over their fear to make a difference. So that's kind of what makes me tick. Your timing is fascinating to me because um, coming out of the COVID pandemic, uh, I cannot tell you how many people are asking themselves the question you're raising, you know, what can I give? It, it, it is, we all have someone who has lost somebody, a young people, 31-year-old brother who died, something that has touched us during this pandemic, mm-hmm. raised the bar on what is the meaning of our lives, if not of life in general, but of ours. Yeah. And, and the work that I'm doing with women to help them rethink their life's journey comes from working with women as an executive coach, where so many of them have reached um, financial comfort and success, however one defines it, 
a CPA, an MBA, commissioner of an athletic team, but unhappy. Hmm. Isn't there more? Is this my life's purpose? So you are raising some really personal, deep questions at a time where lots of people, men and women, are beginning to come out and this YOLO business, you only live once. Well, yes, that's true. But somehow the pandemic has hit us hard with God. That's now and it's us. So then, you know, for our listeners, you've turned your business now into something quite meaningful for you and for others. Tell us a little bit more about what you're seeing among your clients and why this complexity that you're trying to help them address so both damaging on one hand and important on the other. Yeah, so... I guess I see my work as the intersection of strategy, leadership, and purpose. So we've actually talked about the purpose one. And again, it's not that I always start working with all my clients on the meaning of life. Um, But I do say you can't move others until you moved yourself. And so if you don't actually know what your North Star is, what's the impact you're actually trying to make, uh, how can you really be effective as a leader, right? Otherwise, it just becomes very tactical and play by numbers. So uh, I do help leaders get deeper and try to understand what what they're really all about and and what they want their legacy to be. But also it can be in these other areas, right? It's like, are we um, getting past all the complexity and all the noise to really the levers that matter? That's the strategy question. And then can I actually mobilize people on that journey with me, which is the leadership question. And um, you said, why is it relevant right now? Well, I guess yeah, as you said, I've been in technology for many years. I've seen how that's risen and, and changed things, and we all experience that on a daily basis. We're now in a situation which I call managing infinity. You know, we have an infinity of stuff available to us, people to meet, books to read, networking opportunities, distractions, emails, um, you know, you name it, it's an infinity. And therefore, the key thing now really starts to become, how do I how do I manage that? What I call the ceiling of complexity, right? When you've got so much on your plate and so many executives uh, I work with, when I start working, they're often, you know what, well, to get to my next level, I've got to already stop doing all this other stuff, which is on my plate. It's sucking all my time. Mm-hmm. And um, I like to say there is, uh, there's two paths. There's this path of using your time, mm-hmm. which results in you hitting the ceiling of complexity. And there's a path of investing your time which helps you breaking, which involves you breaking through that ceiling of complexity. But most of us, if we look at it, our, our lives are actually spent doing operational things, repetitive things, things that come back on a recurring basis that don't move us forward on our most strategic goals. And we try to do things about it. We block time in our diaries saying, think strategically, you know, now, here. And we just postpone it because it's much easier to do the concrete email in front of us than this airy-fairy thing called thinking strategically. So one of the shifts I try to help my clients make, either together or in terms of the whole team, is how do we eliminate the noise and find the real levers to work on? This is very important. I want to emphasize it for our viewers and our listeners uh, because what Richard is talking about are the way in which habits get in the way of doing what's uh, important. It is what what we do because we do every day and it gets complex and we fill our plate with stuff. But he said something important. We set aside time, but we don't keep it. And and I often will say to people, put on two things on your calendar for you. Give yourself, you know, care, self-care. But it's easy to run away from that self-care. 
But I'm anxious to hear about how you help these high performers realize that all the stuff that's noise, what is what really matters in the course of their lifetime to move them to the next step. Complete. Give our listeners a little bit more. Yeah. So, um, so I guess I, I. there are different ways in which I address it based on the kind of the modality we're working in. A lot of times I'm working one-to-one as an advisor and a consultant and coach with people. It might also be on a program, uh, which, which, for example, I'm, right now I'm taking a, a cohort of people through a program called um, Freeing Yourself Up for Strategic Activity. So it's really, really focused on this. But So it depends exactly how I'm doing it. But this is often some of the key things I'll explain to people. The first thing is, you know, stop trying to free up time. Yes. One CEO who was on my podcast said that he became a master in delegation in, overnight. <laughs> I was like, well, how did that happen? He said, well, my wife was taken into hospital. And the point is, suddenly he had a high value activity that was number one on his list. Everything else suddenly went. All the excuses were gone. He had delegated. <laughs> and so when we get clear about what are the highest value tasks that we need to do, then we start to rotate, we start to pivot, right? If we just try to f- clear out things in our diary, get it through our inbox faster, it doesn't matter. Some of the more things come in. So I'm always really focused to say, you know, what are those couple of key activities where you create the most, where your contribution is the highest? Huh? And how can we double down on those? Do, do please say that again. How do we double down on those where my activity has the highest value? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or well, my contribution level is the highest. Where am I serving most? Um, you know, what are the things that only I can do? There's a different questions, ways of putting it. But yeah, we're trying to really tie in. And often, I often help people look at what are the couple of key things, like core operational habits that you need to do in your role? Yes. Um, so for example, as a CEO, there's plenty of things you should not be doing but most, a lot of CEOs do it because they've had a habit or what they think CEOs should be doing, you know, and I go through examples, but um, there's only a very few things that actually the CEO should be taking on their own plate. Everything else should be, they should be empowering others to do. Um, but also, what's the number one improvement project? What's the one capability that I'm trying to drive right now? What's the thing which is not operational hamster wheel, but it's a flywheel. What's going to, where am I going to invest to create a new capability in myself, in my team, in my organization that's going to make everything easier a quarter from now, for example. Um, And so these are the kind of questions I'm trying to draw out of people. So we actually know where do you want to put your focus, right? Where do you want to put your attention? Once we do that, then we can turn ourselves to the question of, okay, how do we start to shrink and address the other stuff. Richard, how much of this is self-definition, the limitations come for how we put anchors on us, and how much it comes from how we think others see us? I mean, even to your CEO yeah. point, yeah. Uh, I've had some who define their to-do list based on what they think others think they should do. Yes. Freeing them from being uh, a mirror or an um, uh, anchor to others definition uh, is, is quite fascinating because they've moved up into a position and they, they to your point, they don't let go of what they used to do, but they also don't change their definition and role in the eyes of others who keep wondering, uh, you know, that's who I think they are, but are they someone else? Can you move up in your own company without having a great transformation? Your thoughts? 
Yeah. So um, it's a great question. One of the things that people forget and fail at is they don't renegotiate. I call it, I call it they don't work the room. They don't renegotiate agreements across the business. So, uh, you know, if you've ever tried to, I don't know, go on a diet and not get your family on board. Your family become your biggest detractors, right? Because they know you as the person that always wants to eat this, right? And they'll always tempt you at the wrong time or say, so, so you have to actually renegotiate it and get them on board, help them understand what you're trying to achieve and why actually it's better for them if they have a healthier, more energetic spouse, whatever, you know, or, or father or mother or whatever. So, um, you need to get your family on the side when you're going on a diet, otherwise they're going to bring you down. And in the workplace, it's the same, right? You need to kind of renegotiate. If you're going to actually start delegating things, which might not, not be done quite as you would do them, quite the same standard, quite the same time. Yes. Uh, if you want to extract or fill from commitments you've already made, and you realize they're not actually serving the business, you need to renegotiate these. So I'd have to say that freeing yourself up for more strategic activity is it's most people think it's tools and techniques but it's not first of all it's a mindset challenge what do i believe about myself it's kind of what you said um you know, what's my self-identity do i see myself as the high performer who needs to do it all himself or herself uh do i see myself as the person that, where it has to be perfect you know what are my fears behind all this so you need to look at that if you don't look at it you get you just never make progress you always find an excuse the second one is it's a leadership challenge for all the reasons we just said you need to have the hard conversations and then um the third one is it's a behavior challenge because you actually need to do things differently you need to not take the easy option and solve the problem you need to uh, as I like to say, you need to create acceleration and not speed. You need to invest in make helping your team solve the problem rather than taking the shortcut and doing it yourself. Yeah. And so it's, it, it's, that's why it's a coaching challenge. It's not just a, an app or a, a productivity tip challenge. When you're at that executive level, when you're in a management role, you've got all these things. You've got your internal game. You've got the external management of people. Um, and then you've got your own actual behavior execution that you have to work on. And now a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us. And we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey, Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens, reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls and become the best that they could be. They heard things like women aren't lawyers and women can't lead and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? 
And am I there or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books. And you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves, very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now back to our podcast. It is, uh, this is just a wonderful conversation today because the timing couldn't be better as I'm working with my own clients. And your words are great because I love this mindset challenge. Um, It's also a story they have to change in their own minds about who they are, what they do, how they do it, how they're going to move to the next stage, how do they visualize themselves, right? Yeah, well, let me give you an example. Um, One of my clients, very senior chief human resources um, officer, uh, running a you know company with many thousands of employees, and he was recently promoted to the C-suite. So I was working with him, and um, great guy, uh, and he's really working on some transformational initiatives across the organisation. And we had one conversation, and he said, "You know, Richard, um, I think I'm spending too much time in my email. I just stop feeling productive. You know, I'm not. I'm just getting sucked in." So you know, he said, have you got any tips for me? I was like, "Well, I'm not sure you need any tips, but let's let's play." Um, you know, what's going through your mind when you're doing your emails? Like what's, what's driving you? He says, well, you know, I want to be a reliable and trustworthy colleague. I want to be a team player. I don't want people to only the kind of person that people have to nag to get a response out of me. So I try and get through my emails pretty much every day and try and respond within a couple of hours because, you know, then I'm, I'm not being a bottleneck. It's like, okay, makes sense. So at this point, Nothing I can tell you is going to make you change your habits because your whole identity of being a reliable, trustworthy team player is being expressed in your emails. So let me ask you a question instead. I said to him, um, your CEO, what's he looking for you from now? What, what, does, what does he most want from you right now? Oh, wait, he wants me to deliver these, transform- these transformational projects we've been working on. Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and what about, um, what about your customers? What do they most want at the moment? Oh, well, yeah, if, if I can deliver these transformational projects, then everything is going to be great. Uh, you know, it, my, my employees are going to be more modernized, and the, so they want me to do that as well. Okay, what about the employees themselves? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, they're fed up with these antiquated systems we've been running. They're really looking forward to the new employee experience. And so we kind of went through those different stakeholders like this. And so in the end, I said, so what I'm hearing is that your greatest contribution is really when you're working on these transformational projects. He said, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> so let me put it to you that you, when you are doing your emails, you're actually being untrustworthy and unreliable <laughs> because, because you're not doing what, what you're getting paid the big bucks to do. And he said? And he said, yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah, he, he got it. He got, he got the aha uh-huh. that he had to rethink, re-understand what was trustworthy and reliable and being a team player. He had to realize that what he thought was all that was actually what was distracting him from his greatest value. Yes. And that's the shift that you need. That's why I said at that point, he didn't need me to give him a whole load of tips about how to manage his inbox <laughs> because that, he could do that, right? But what he needed was the shift in identity as I'm a trustworthy, reliable person. What do I do next? Well, now he'll turn to his key projects. Your case is beautiful because uh, he still was reliable and trustworthy. And that's how his identity was and his yeah. 
image, but his actions, he didn't realize were not really supporting that at all. Um, created the illusion, which we do so well, that he was responsive and so forth. Um, but it does raise some important questions about everyone and their communication, their emails and their copies on emails and the way in which others influence how we behave and how do you manage time and all of this and how do you capture it? And, and I have a hunch he's not the only one you've coached on how to rethink, you know, what they're doing with their time so that and the, the thing that worried me during the pandemic period was people were doing emails at nine and 10 at night. Yeah. And my comment to them is why, you know, is anybody on the other side of that expecting it from you? Um, is anyone uh, who's your boss expecting it from you? Um, and, and you don't, don't want another 150 to do tomorrow. I get that. Um, but but how do you sort what those communications are and how do you help it, people not communicate that way? Because so many of those emails are a cover my butt emails as opposed to tell me yeah. something I need to do. You know, right. and we create the illusion that we're reliable and, and responsive. Mm. And, and so it's an interesting, but a lovely approach you took was what really does matter. And what does the organization need from you? And how do you allocate your time to do it? And the emails become an impediment. Terrific. More, more thoughts? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I just see this all the time. So it, there's always an inner game question. Is it outer game? There's this stakeholder management issue. And um, it makes a massive difference because I I find that, uh, so right now I'm taking a group of people through this, this, this group program, um, the Executive Productivity Accelerator, where they're really focusing on on redefining how they use their week, right? Freeing up time for this strategic activity, using it in the right way, uh, renegotiating their their agreements, this kind of thing. And, um, you know, one of the execs going through it was a finance exec and, and they were totally maxed out on a whole load of finance activities that was just keeping the lights on. Yes. Yeah, just keeping the lights on. And they said, you know, my work-life balance is out of whack. I'm working all hours, got no time for thinking or anything. And you know, just really just a couple of months, they've suddenly created this free time in their diaries that they've not had before. Oh. And it really is not that complicated. It both, you know, the thing is, what I like to say is I don't believe, one of my roles is not to believe my clients' stories that they tell themselves, right? So, <clears throat> excuse me, he's, you know, he's, he's telling, you know, himself, oh, I'm the only one that can do this. You know, it has to be me. Uh, this is essential, whatever it is, right? All these things that he tells. For him, that's the reality. But as he starts to work on what does he really need to be working on? And is this really moving things forward or is it just keeping him on the hamster wheel? And actually, you know, how do I actually pass this on to my team? Do I have to write a massive instruction manual? as I think I need to do, but actually perhaps there's a simpler way of doing it. And so as you start to get into this, it was able to free up, I don't know how many hours it was, it's probably, it was well over 10 hours a week, which, he, and suddenly he's got 10 hours a week to do the next level activity. And that's where you start to see people pull away, right? Because they're now able to work on the next level thing, you know, one level above uh, that makes such a big difference. And I think for me, that's really the difference between people that kind of plateau and people that keep growing and reinventing themselves it's the people that plateau just let themselves let all that complexity mount up so that suddenly they're snarled up and they just keep doing what they know how to do. 
Yeah. Humans are most interesting, fascinating, complex creatures, aren't they? Yes, I know. And and every once in a while they need us to come in and to use as you said, not believe the stories that they're telling, but help them see what the reality is. And there's no reality, it's just an illusion they're creating in their mind with a story that gives them support, but not necessarily really happiness. Because all the folks you're talking about just need a little nudge to move past where they are, but seem not to know how. And and I'm I'm most fascinated because uh, it doesn't take a lot for their minds to open up to what's possible. And all of a sudden they go, oh, I can do that. And I bet you love that same, oh, I can do that. Mm. The same joy I get when they go, oh, that's how you can do it. I said, yeah, what were we missing here? You know, John Seely Brown once said, the way forward is all around you if only you can see it. Yeah. And, and sometimes I'm just startled by how hard it is. Richard, this has been such fun. I have a bunch of stuff I've written down. Give the, re- the listeners um, two or three things you don't want them to forget, because I think it's important. They remember mm-hmm. the end almost better than the beginning. Sure. So I think the first thing is margin for strategic activity, right? Time in the week where you get to work on these next level things is the thing, it's like your number one KPI. It's the number one thing you need to create if you want to live an exponential life and have an exponential career and make massively more impact. So really go for that. Find out what are those next level tasks, activities, and relentlessly focus on those, okay? So um, it's freeing yourself up for strategic activity. And you need to know what is my strategic activity. So the importance of kind of margin time in your week. And, and then, you know, I think the second thing is to remember that it, this is a, it is not a tip and a technique. It's a, it's a, a mindset challenge. It's a leadership challenge and it's a behavior change challenge. And so yes, don't look in the wrong places for that. That's why I say it's a coaching challenge. It's not a app you know, that you need, right? It's, it's to actually see the world in a different way and interact with it in a different way. So those are probably a couple of things I would kind of, um, just the high level uh, messages that I would give. Now, you know, if people are interested in more, there's a couple of resources, you know, they, they can grab. There's um, on, on my website. And so my website is xquadrant.com. Um, and um, there's a uh, an email course um, on freeing yourself up for strategic activity. Uh, it's called an executive's productivity paradigm. Um, and you can find that at, um, I think it's xquadrant.com slash go slash productivity. Um, there's also an assessment you can take that will kind of give you a quick score of where you are now, yeah. uh, just as a benchmark. Um, you can also, as you said earlier, find me on the podcast, which is xquadrant.com slash podcast, or you can just search in your favorite podcast app for the Impact Multiplier CEO. Um, which is the podcast name Uh, and you know generally if people are interested I just love conversations so look me up on LinkedIn uh, or reach out to me on my website and strike up a conversation because what what gets me up in the morning is smart high achievers (laughs) who want to 10x or more their impact in the world. I think that Richard just likes helping you accelerate um, amplify Take the, the talent you have and free it up so that you can become better at what you're doing, the best that you can be. And he and I share the same desire to get you off the brink. Our job is to help you soar 
so that you can see, feel, and think in new ways. And the, the ideas are there. They're inside you. You know, you just sometimes need a conversation, a podcast like this to listen to and say, what am I doing? What should I be doing? What really matters to me? And it becomes a great time for you to pause, step back and begin to think about the next phase for you. And your organization is counting on you. You know, I can't tell you how many people say they've been skipped over for a promotion. And I say, is that the organization's challenge or have you simply been good at what you've done? And they were perfectly happy leaving you there. Did you grow? Did you try and expand? Have you really changed the way things are going on so there's time for you to develop? And I have a hunch Richard's seen the same. So this is terrific. We'll have all of Richard's stuff on the podcast blog when we post it. Um, But let me remind you that our job is to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. And I urge you to go pick up our book, Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. You can find it on all your booksellers, and Amazon and 1-800-READS and Porchlight. And it's become a real interesting experience for us to write a book that people are saying things like, I finally have a book I can give to my teenage daughter to show her how she can become the best that she can be. And in entertain 11 stories of women, including my own. And like Richard's, we're storytellers. If you listen to his story and the things that mattered in his personal life and his professional life, things happened. Well, these women want to help you do the same. And my first book, Rethink, pardon me, On the Brink, The Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, is all about how a little anthropology can help your business grow. Because what we do as anthropologists is help you observe. That's why I say you have to see. And this is such fun. And we're always around here to help coach you and consult with you and help you grow. Because our job, like Richard's, is to help you go to the next level. We want you to accelerate. And these are great times. Do not waste a crisis. I used to tell my clients, if you want to change, have a crisis or create one. It goes for you personally as well, but you don't need to wait for one. And you really don't need to create one. You just need to understand it's time for a new you. And so it's been great fun. Richard, thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. And for all of you who come, keep sending me your emails at info at andysimon.com. We're waiting for you there. Bye-bye now.